This is Chatty Potter, a brand new Harry Potter themed podcast where I talk to creators of Harry Potter content from all across the internet. Kirby, thank you for joining me. Um, do you want to start by just like telling us about your content, like what you make, where you put it, what it's about? Sure. So the only social media that I have is is TikTok. I don't have anything else. So that's all the only place you're going to find me. I do really in-depth analytical videos about Harry Potter. That's the basis of what I talk about. Uh, my at is at Kirby.Alice. Awesome. And like, so what is it about Harry Potter that makes you want to go this in depth with it? Because it feels like from your content, it's more than just like a book series to you, right? It's a bit deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just because I've been so deep in it for so long. I started reading the books really, really young and I've done work with the books with other people. And it's just something that I have all of this knowledge about and that other people find that interesting has been really fun to kind of explore online. Oh, a hundred percent. That The community on TikTok around Harry Potter is like, nothing I've seen anywhere else, yeah. like if in both good and bad ways. <laughs> um, so is there is there like a favorite video you've made so far? Like anything that jumps out at you is like, yes, I'm super chuffed with that one. Well, one of the first videos I made about yew trees and Death Eaters did really, really well. And I, I'm proud of how well it did, but had I known that it was going to be seen by like almost 2 million people, I probably would have worked harder on it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just like in one take, not thinking about it and then just put it up. But um, I'm proud of it because the information is really good. And <laughs> I, it's something that most people hadn't known, which is fun. I don't know. I'm liking some of the newer stuff that I'm doing because I've learned how to use editing tools recently. So that's nice. been exciting. <laughs> it's a big step up. I actually don't think it I've seen the three one. Do you want to, um, oh, really? on the spot, do you want to recap it really quickly for me? Absolutely. Um, so the reason that the Death Eaters are called the Death Eaters. So Voldemort's wand, his first wand, not the Elder Wand. Though many people pointed out in the comments of that video that he never really owned the elder one. I know. But his first one, the yew tree, it's made of yew wood. And yew trees, Y-E-W, yew trees, are grown traditionally in graveyards. And that's for two reasons. Number one, they're highly poisonous. The bark, the tree, the berries, all of it super poisonous. And so it discouraged herders from moving their animals through graveyards because if they ate the droppings, they would die. And number wow. two, yeah, in old graveyards, they didn't have sealed caskets. People were buried either just in the round or in plywood boxes. And so the roots of the yew tree were deep and they would feed off the nutrients of these bodies. And they were called death-eating trees. And that's where we get the name, the Death Eaters. And we see yew trees in uh, Tom Riddle's graveyard and outside of Malfoy Manor. So that's where it comes from. That's, I can see why that reached like 2 million people. That's amazing. <laughs> that's so interesting. Well, I, I can't believe I missed someone, that. Someone pointed out to me in the comments of that video that like Super Carlin Brothers or someone had made a whole YouTube video not too long ago speculating about the name, where they got the name The Death Eaters. And I was like, oh, I know that. I can <laughs> <laughs> Did they set, when they made this video, like speculating, did they settle on that? Did they have anything about the U trees? I don't think so. I hadn't seen the whole video yet, but no, I don't think they did. And you just like swept right in with, okay, cool right, speculation, but this. here's the correct answer. <laughs> and that one did really well. And that was kind of, um, because when I made that video, I had just started posting. I think it was like my third day. And I had maybe 400 followers mm -hmm. and then it kind of off from there. So it's, it's, yeah, my first three videos did disproportionately well. And that kind of encouraged me to keep making, keep making stuff. I was going to say you like exploded super early. I remember like, I did. I think the first video I saw that you made was about um, making Marauders fans cry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it felt like everything you made super early just like blew up. Like, I mean, obviously I missed the U tree one. I I've been on this platform since the middle of April, that's it. Wow, that's really impressive. So yeah, it's it's blown up out of nowhere, which has been neat, but also like 
a weekend. I had people in real life telling me I saw you on TikTok and that was uncomfortable. Yeah, I had that recently as well. I had a, a video like blow up um, and I got like 10 messages from people I hadn't spoken to for years. I walked into the office and my colleagues were like, we saw you on TikTok. And I was like, that's really cool, but also kind of weird. I feel like I needed more preparation to have this conversation. <laughs> Like I needed to talk about it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Um, what that's what, something I like about like Harry Potter communities on TikTok in particular, like they love the informative side of it, not just like the entertainment. Like they don't get me wrong. They love the fan fiction and, and all of the art and that good stuff, but like just literature analysis in general. Right. On that note, I wanted to ask, obviously the yew tree feels too specific to just be a coincidence. But are there many theories that you think you've settled on or like parallels that you've drawn and you think it's maybe just a coincidence or like, do you think J.K. Rowling had all of this stuff that, that people are now analyzing in her head when she was writing it? No, no. I think I, I think that because of the backlash against her, she doesn't get quite as much credit and it's, it's valid backlash and I'm mm -hmm. completely with this one, but I don't think that she gets quite enough credit for being very clever because there are things in the books that are very clearly like the result of someone being clever. But I think that because it's been so popular and it's been around for such a long time, there are things that we have come to the conclusion of that it just were not intentional. Yeah. Like personally for me, I've seen a lot of people talking recently about how the kids in Harry's generation are like a direct parallel for the Marauders generation and this and this. And like, you can definitely draw that, but I really doubt that she did all of that on purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just like being quite lazy, right? Having certain character tropes that you just then recycle. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And again, if you've read these books 10 times, you're going to start seeing things that maybe weren't meant to be there, which doesn't mean that it's not still a valid analysis. It's mm. just not necessarily, you know, authorial intent. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cool. Um, so on like theories, um, I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite theory from Harry Potter? And also like, what's the most outlandish one that you hold and is like a headcanon for you? There was a theory back when the books were happening that Ron was Dumbledore time traveling. Okay. So, Cause that was, it was a weird one, but the people who believed it, I had a friend who really believed it, had like a surprising amount of evidence um, as to why that would make sense. So I liked that one. That one was like the weirdest mm -hmm. one. I, you know, actually, my favorite plausible theory is probably one that I did talk about where it, the body that is specified floating in the cave is with robes, wearing robes in the cave in the sixth book is Regulus Black. Ah, okay. I like that one because that one has enough contextual evidence that I think it's definitely true, but also it's weird and no one else is really going to care. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, details. I suppose details like that, they're, they're cool. And I guess like you can interpret them either way. Like, and it doesn't have to be confirmed, right? If you get the enjoyment out of the theory, like, then it's fine. Yep. I really like that. I like you. Um, I think, I think you made a video about it not too long ago about like the, I've seen it around quite a lot, the Dumbledore being death theory, which yeah. is quite a cool parallel. Again, I don't know if there was any like intent from JKR about that, but it's, it's a nice. Know. Nice parallels, I quite like that. And then I also saw quite an outlandish one about Crookshanks being the Potter's old cat. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yeah, some people really like that one. I don't I don't get that one. No. I think, it, no, I think that's just people really wanting everything to be connected. And like, there can be two cats in the world, guys. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But yeah, it does feel a bit like, um, like Lost. I don't know if you ever watched Lost, where you're just like, everything has to have a meaning. You can't just leave yes. any strands. That didn't end well, so I don't know. Oh, I loved Lost. I've just rewatched it recently. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Um, okay, so uh, some sort of broader talking points that I know a lot of people, there's a lot of controversy around. Um, Dumbledore and Snape 
good, bad, indifferent, good as characters, good as people? Where do you sit with them? Oh, okay. So Dumbledore, when I was little, I don't know if you how old you were when you read the books, but Dumbledore, like the way that Harry felt about Dumbledore was the way that little like seven-year-old me felt about Dumbledore. Like, oh, mm-hmm. he's, he's one we can trust. He's Dumbledore. He's going to save everything. And I was still young enough when I read the sixth book that I firmly spent that in, almost the entire time between the sixth and seventh book thinking he wasn't dead. Like I could not accept it in my tiny child mind. So the turnaround later on, like reading the seventh book and realizing some of the things that Dumbledore had done and then going back later and thinking about other things that he had done. Uh, I, I still find him complicated. I think that there is some justification for some of the things that he did, but I think I made a video talking about, I did, I made a video talking about um, him, him leaving Harry with the Dursleys for me, mm-hmm. for him in like, in just narcissistic egomaniac territory. Like there's no good reason to have done that. Yeah. Uh, because the other stuff, even the, like sending Harry to his death, I could almost understand, like if it really was the only choice. But there's no reason for him to have left him in an abusive home. I'm pretty sure you you mentioned in your video, like conceivably could have been kept at Grimmel Place or at Hogwarts or Hogwarts, anywhere that has anywhere. the the Fidelius charm on it. Yep. Perfectly plausible and safe place. It would just be inconvenient to Dumbledore to have to deal with a child. He would get over it. There are other people there that could have taken care of him. Parallel you drew about like reading it young. And it makes me think of like how you think about your parents, right? It's just like almost like they're this ethereal, godlike being. You can do no wrong. And then as you get older, you realize actually they are people and they are prone to mistakes and look at these problems that they have. And it doesn't necessarily tarnish the good that they do, but it makes them more complex as a person to look at. I feel like it's the same with Dumbledore as you've grown up and rewatched it or, or reread it. It's the same sort of thing. I never really thought about it like my parents before, but actually that's. It is, yeah. Well, because you think, you assume the whole time you're reading it that he has Harry's best interest at heart because Harry assumes that. Mm-hmm. And kind of realizing that no, he really didn't is is awful. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's it's just this utilitarian, like, and don't get me wrong, I think utilitarianism as an ethical principle makes sense, right? The greater good for the greatest amount of people. But on an individual basis, it's it can, especially as, as he has to be the bringer of, of saving everyone. It's a little narcissistic, like like yeah. you mentioned, with uh, with leaving Harry behind. Um, what about Snape then? Snape. Uh, okay. I I don't want to hang out with Snape. Like, he's not a good guy. And as a teacher, like, the way that he treats his students is disgusting and despicable. Mm-hmm. But I've always really liked his character. And it might just be because he's got, like, that dry sense of humor. Even mean, it's he's funny. He's Snape yeah. credit for being funny, but he's funny. And uh, as a kid, I liked his character enough to like think that he was secretly a good guy the whole time, like on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they have Borders or if they had Borders bookstores where you were. But before the seventh book came out, Borders bookstores they're closed now in the United States. They did this promotion where they put up this big standy, whatever, and they had stickers for Snape, and you could pick whether you thought he was like a good guy or an evil guy, a friend or foe or whatever. And I picked the friend one and I still have it. Really? So, yeah. I, Cause I thought it was funny and I kept it because it's a bit, now it's a rare thing. Like they're no longer in business, but um, I, I find Snape really interesting and I understand that people mm-hmm. just like point blank hate him. I get it. But I think he's, I don't know. I think Snape is one of those people that like he made every wrong choice that he possibly could, but he also paid for every wrong choice, like 10 times as yeah. much as, anybody else you know so mm-hmm. i find him interesting what about you he's an interesting character don't know i think he's a bad guy yeah i think he's like he's kind of a dick right i don't know even just regardless of the war and the big picture stuff as a teacher like he is borderline 
bullying and abusive to his students to Neville, to yeah. Hermione. Um, I like, I often think like when people are like, oh, but he was in love with Lily and that's why he treats Harry like that. I'm just like, can you imagine if you were in school, right? You're 11 and your teacher starts being really like disproportionately awful to you. And then you find out it's because 15 years ago you had a crush on your mother. Yeah. Like, there's no way you're just like, oh, well that's fair enough. Like keep going, you know? Name my son after him, it'll be great. <laughs> but no. do, do, you, do you consider him redeemed in any way? Um, I think that if, if anyone is going to have like a workable redemption arc, okay, here's the thing. I don't think Snape cared about being redeemed. I don't think that was sure. that like was important to him. He was doing the things he did out of like guilt. He just felt really guilty. He felt bad about Lily and he was going to do whatever he had to do to make himself feel better about that. Mm -hmm. And I think to him, when he was dying, when he was looking at Harry and like trying to do the last thing that he could to help him. That was as much peace as he was ever going to get. And I think he earned it, but I also don't think that it's like a full redemption, you know, because he, yeah. didn't, he didn't do the things he did because of he, I mean, my, in my opinion anyway, he didn't, he did the things he did because he was just so guilty. I think I'm aligned on that. I think we can agree there. So I don't know if you've seen that I have um, asked some, what I think are some quite difficult questions of Harry Potter fans on TikTok. And I wanted to ask a few of them. Uh, to you now. They're not like trivia questions. I'm not going to test your knowledge. They're like choices. So if you had to erase a house from Hogwarts, which house would you erase? Uh, Gryffindor. Any particular reason? Uh, I think that most kids that belong in Gryffindor are there because of personal choice. Mm -hmm. Like I think the driving forces for people being put in Gryffindor is that they want to be there. We see all three, Harry, Ron, and Hermione express in the first, like, four chapters of the first book, oh, I want to be in Gryffindor. So I think that without the Gryffindor house, the other three houses will all still have people that fit them quite well, and we would get along just fine. And maybe Slytherin wouldn't be quite so vilified without having that one particular enemy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think a lot of the people in Gryffindor can be resorted pretty comfortably, um, and you don't necessarily lose too much. Um, okay, good answer. I like it. Um, <laughs> you you're given the opportunity to to be magic, but you can only have, you can only use one spell for the rest of your life. Which spell are you picking? Accio. Accio. That's I, that, that's like so many people answered that. I feel like it's a really good answer. It's useful. It's solid. Yeah. If it were a spell, I feel like apparating would be good. But obviously, that's yeah. not a spell. That's just a thing that you do. Um, yeah. Okay. And then like your favorite book and your favorite movie from the series. Ooh, okay. My favorite book is the fourth one. Uh, it always has been. I think it's just because it's the last one before it kind of becomes like a war saga. And then my favorite movie, uh, my favorite movie is The Chamber of Secrets. And no one, no one's going to agree with that, but uh, <laughs> liked it. I thought it was a faithful adaptation. It was one of the first movies I saw in theaters. So it's just got like nostalgia, I guess. I don't know. I still like it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think you're right. It's very faithful to the book. It just like, um, because it doesn't like it doesn't get as intricate as the later ones. Like it's a yeah. it's a simple like mystery who done it solve the mystery sort of film, right? Yep. Cool. I like that. I like it. Then <laughs> the fourth book is is that is that a popular choice for a favorite book? I don't think I've heard many people say. That. I don't think so. I don't think it's super popular. Um. Yeah, I liked it. I liked learning more about different schools. I mm -hmm. liked the idea of the Triwizard Tournament. Um, it felt like it was just like it was just old enough that it was an interesting sort of, cause it's still almost a standalone story, you know, before it starts becoming this, this pure saga, but 
Yeah, because I feel like after the fifth book, things started getting darker and darker, and they're still really good, and they're still really fun to read, but I think if you're just going to pick one to, like, read for pleasure, for me, it's number four. Cool, nice. Um, speaking of learning more about the Wizarding World, how do you feel about um, Fantastic Beasts as a series? Fan of it or not really? Uh, I've liked the first one. I thought that it was it was pretty good. It made a lot of sense. Uh, the plot was fine. I didn't... The second one is so weird. It's so... I have no idea what's going on. I... I could not tell you the plot of the second movie, and I think I've seen it twice. But uh, I don't know. I cannot. I have no ability to predict where they're going with the third one. Like I think they're doing the Ariana Dumbledore thing, but other than that, I have no idea what their mm -hmm. plan is. Because it. Mm, the thing about the Fantastic Beast movies that like annoyed me, particularly in the second one, was they had like their timeline makes no sense. Their timeline is so weird. And I don't really know what they're going for. Cause like the flashback scene when they're back at Hogwarts and McGonagall is there for some reason. Like right. She's not, I don't know why she's there. Just sort of needless fan service, right? Yes. And it's weird. And mm, I don't know, the plot is getting real. It's getting away from them really fast. And I think that they could have done a really good job with these Fantastic Beast movies if they had decided to just make it like a Newt Scamander story and not try and loop Dumbledore and Grindelwald because it gets messy but uh, i mean i understand why they wanted to because that's a much bigger like fandom market appeal but eh, i don't know i think it's going to be weird yeah and i i feel like that's um like that's a real struggling point i don't know if you've ever watched the divergent films yeah i feel like they really fell down because you didn't really know what the end point was like in harry potter you sort of learn pretty early that, that voldemort is is the bad guy and and getting past Voldemort, destroying Voldemort, stopping Voldemort, whatever is the end goal for the series, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have a sort of common goal to work towards. In The Hunger Games, you have taking down the capital and the corrupt government. Whereas in Divergent, I found that like you never quite knew where the end point was. So you weren't like rooting for anything. You weren't excited yeah. for as they progressed towards it. And I feel like that about Fantastic Beasts. Like obviously J.K. Rowling said that it's moving towards the Grindelwald Dumbledore duel, but that's not foreshadowed in the films at all. So like oh. from a movie perspective, I don't know what I'm rooting for people for or what well, they're heading towards. There's they, like, yeah. nothing's on the line for me. Well, they waited till the second film to even introduce Dumbledore in person. And like, it, it's weird. It's weird. I, I thought when they were marketing this, when they first said they were going to do a Fantastic Beast movie, my first instinct was other than the, I made a video about how they should have put Luna Lovegood in it because that would have been. Yes, I like that. Luna. But I really thought it was going to be just kind of like, like almost a nature documentary but with Fantastic Newt Scamander being like the host. I thought it was just going to be like Crocodile Hunter with Newt Scamander. And that would have been cool. I would have watched like many, many movies of that format. Yeah. This, I don't know, this, this plotting choice is, it, they're beautiful. They're really well made. People worked really hard on them, but the plot is so weird. But I just, I yeah. don't know where they're going. Oh, I'm right there with you. I, yeah, I'm really struggling <laughs> with it. And I, I want to like it. I really want to like it. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it feels like they bit off way more they could than they could chew, and like bringing back like Queenie and I forget what like the little guy is called. Um, it's just yeah. like their plot was sort of done in the first one. They didn't need to be in yeah. number two now. That just feels a bit pointless. Anyway, I feel like we could uh, moan about that for for a long time. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> Awesome. This has been super fun. I just love talking about Harry Potter. Yeah. Like it's real life. Thank you so much for chatting to me about it. Um, You're welcome. I love your content. Please keep making more like stuff because it makes me sound really Thank smart you. to my friends when I regurgitate your knowledge. <laughs> so that was Chatty Potter. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about Harry Potter as though it's real life as much as we enjoyed doing it. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>